What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Take the baseline out. Uh-huh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. I am Dan Favalli, coming at you with my co-host, Andy Bailey. We are super-duper stoked to be joined by Angie Treasure of the Zone Sports Network. Uh, she's the digital director for them, and she has been kind enough to hop on and talk to us about the 2017-2018 Utah Jazz as we keep this season preview train rolling. How are you doing today, Angie? Doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess a lot of stuff happened for the Jazz's offseason, you could say. And just to sort of start off, what was your – just knowing what happened, if if George Hill was going to leave, which people kind of had an inkling, it felt like toward the middle or the end of the season, and if you were told – The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. That Gordon Hayward was definitely going to leave. Uh, do you think that the Jazz really could have rebounded any better than they actually did? Well, it sounded like from all accounts, especially from Dennis Lindsay, that they really didn't know and they were, were really genuinely hanging on to the last minute on July 4th um, and let some offers go when Gordon decided to sign with the Celtics. So, I mean, rebounded better. I guess they would have just had to go in all in on the idea that no one was coming back. And that's pretty risky. I know there's a lot of conspiracy theorists that believe Gordon knew he was gone for a really long, long time. And I don't necessarily believe that. I think he did make a decision. I mean, it, I don't believe the, the Bartlestein narrative. But I, I do think he was making a decision up until the end. Um, so I think the Jazz did what they could. Um, and rebounded in kind of a moneyball way. Trying to piecemeal together an offense, but I guess that that remains to be seen whether that'll work this season. With, uh, so I, I mean, I heard all this stuff about Utah possibly pass, like not being able to get guys that they had sort of on the horizon because they were waiting on Gordon. Do you have any idea who those guys are? The only one I've heard is um, James Johnson. And I, like, I, the <laughs> reason I ask out? is, no, I, I can actually say, uh, 
I don't have sources, but I can say <laughs> that one um, for sure. But anyway, the reason I bring it up is because I I really don't know who was coming to Utah anyway. Like I don't I don't know how they could have done much better if they had just been going all out with free agency from July first. Like it's never been a hotbed of free agency. Um, as, as far as a free agency destination. Now, I think that's changing a little bit. You, I think Joe Johnson and, and some of the other guys who've come over recently may suggest that there's a, a tide shifting. But generally speaking, I don't, I don't know how they could have done much better. Yeah, I guess you could argue that they could have gone all in on a Jimmy Butler trade or Paul George trade. But just because those guys went for not much and yeah, they just true. wanted them out of the conference. Again, you would have had to make that decision pretty early. Um, so I guess that's what you could say, but I, I don't really know if that was the route they were going. The name I'd heard kind of third-hand, so take it for what it's worth, was Danilo Gallinari. Like, I, I know Dennis mm. Lindsay's liked him for a while. Uh-huh. Um, which, you know, it's, it's not replacing Hayward, but it would have been a primary scoring option, which is kind of a big question mark right now. Yeah, and he would have been a nice fit next to Gobert. That's, yeah. that's for sure. Plus, he's foreign, so... <laughs> yeah, he fits the mold for sure. If we're going with the risk theme, uh, Dennis Lindsay's collecting all the countries, and uh, we would have had Italy in there. I have not heard that theory. I like it. Yeah. I mean, that'd be what an interesting were you going to say, Dan? I cut you off. I was just going to say I have zero names to add to that discussion. <laughs> I, have, I have no third, fourth, or fifth-hand sources. I was... I, I think even... The moves that they made before Hayward made his decision, it seemed like, yes, they were geared towards uh, hoping that he would stay when you trade for Ricky Rubio, when you when you re-sign Joe Ingles. But that, that Ingles contract in particular, like that's something I probably would have wanted them to do even if you had said before July 1 that Gordon Hayward was leaving. I, I know he's going to be 30 before the season starts, but he's just so good and it seems to kind of fit their equal opportunity offensive system with guys uh, who will work hard on the defensive end and he switches like crazy on the defensive end so I'm still in love even though you could probably say he got market value or maybe 52 million dollars over four years was a little high for some people I'm still in love with that contract even with Gordon Hayward gone even a couple months later listen show me someone who doesn't love Joe Ingles and I'll show you (laughs) someone who hates fun I mean I get it because you throw that name out there to the casual NBA fan who still shows up to Miami games in their LeBron jersey, and they're <laughs> definitely not going to know who Joe Ingles is. But he's uh, turned into a legit 3 and D guy, and that doesn't go cheap these days, even though you're right, he is older. He didn't break into the league until later. He was a bubble guy for a while, but like he said, Quinn Snyder made him love basketball again, and it really shows, and, and he's committed to the to the state and he he embraces jazz basketball and i don't think that contract's going to be an albatross at all one thing that's interesting about his age too and i i totally get why that's a concern he's not he doesn't have a game that's like gonna age poorly i mean he's already slow-mo joe come on he he's not an above the rim the guy oh <laughs> he's there to trash talk and he's there to shoot threes and gamble on the perimeter because he knows Rudy's behind him. And, you know, that's going to be fine for another few years. Speaking I, I, <laughs> Oh, actually, I have something just Okay, go ahead. If, if you look, so, uh, I'm sorry, Gobert and Ingles spent almost 175 minutes without Hayward and Hill on the floor last year, which is not, it's not a substantial size. It's not insubstantial. The Jazz defended like the league's best team, had probably an average to above average offense and outscored opponents by 6.4 points per 100 possessions in that time. Like that's a, yeah, I mean, who doesn't really fit with Rudy Gobert would be the real question. Like you have to get a terrible like four or, or three guys who can't shoot. But like that, that's a very nice duo right there. And, and you kind of add in the talent they have around them. Like that's just what makes me so excited about uh, the Joe Ingles contract and, and this team still going for it or trying to go for it irrespective of what was going to happen with Hayward at the time. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people thought he got kind of the Jeremy Evans contract in the sense that, like, we got to keep Gordon's guy around, but he's a playmaker. He led the team in steals last season, which I think is going to be a big part of their offense going forward, kind of defending the hell out of the half court and then trying to turn 
uh, steals into fast break points, and I think he's pretty emblematic of everything this Jazz team likes and this coaching staff enjoys. And I don't know, it's 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 not certainly not championship caliber right now because of I don't know some three-headed hydra in in the Bay Area, but it it's I don't think it's going to be a disaster. So you, in the last couple answers, you've brought up steals, which is something that I've thought about a lot. Um, you cast steals before and... you go to sleep instead of sheep. <laughs> yes. One of, one of my favorite ever Joe Ingles jokes, which some people said I was being insensitive for, was that it made sense that an Australian would lead the team in steals because we sent all the criminals to Australia. And, <laughs> and so it's just science that they would be, thieves. I don't know. Very I, I, insensitive. It, it's. It's pretty brutal, and maybe they won't let me into <laughs> Australia now. But it was worth the joke. I will. I, I think Aussies have a good enough sense of humor, based on my Twitter interactions with like the five of them that follow me. <laughs> five. Yeah, of they're them. great. That's, that's an adequate <laughs> sample size. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I. I mean, I totally agree with you that Utah has because they have Gobert uh, around the rim. It allows those perimeter defenders to be so much more aggressive. And I think that was a big part of Joe Ingles' defensive strength last year. And now they throw one of the best like ball-hawking point guards in the NBA and Ricky Rubio into that equation. And I, I'm already having visions of like the number one defense in the league this season. Well, and are we already forgetting about Donovan Mitchell's record-breaking steals in Summer League? I mean... Yeah, apparently I did. Like, but, but it's true. And Joe Ingles said as much in Media Day on Monday. He said... Because he sat up there with, uh, was he with Rudy? Yeah, I think he was with Rudy, and and mentioned that he's a he can gamble and he can jump passing lanes because they know Rudy's there to clean up their mistakes for better or for worse, whether it's a good decision or a bad decision. But it it did lead to him averaging the most steals on the team. So I do think between Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Ricky Rubio, guys who have a proven track record of of you know, making steals and hopefully turning that into points. We know Ricky Rubio's not great around the rim, but, and Joe's not the fastest, so maybe it's cross your fingers and hope Donovan Mitchell can lead a break, but I'm, uh, I'm hopeful. I, and I do think that's what they're going to try to do um, with the offense this year. You could put, yeah, you, go ahead, Dan. You could put some shameless steel chasers in this, like with Ricky Rubio, Joe Ingles, and Rudy Gobert, and they they probably just look fantastic. Like, just think about like the Monta Ellis of three years ago in this system. Like, I don't, <laughs> don't want to think about that. No, you don't want to think about it. Such a nice conversation. Yeah, I, yeah, but like you could just have that guy who literally just runs around and chase steals at the expense of blowing assignments because well, that could be work. Donovan Mitchell. That's what I would do. Do not put Donovan Mitchell in the same breath as Monta Ellis, though. <laughs> well, uh, at least in terms of that one little um, description you gave, I think he could be that guy just running all over the floor like a madman. I, I mean, I could see it. And just to, to wrap up, like the Joe Ingles, like both of you talking about his speed, I'm still amazed. We could just make this a Joe Ingles I'm, podcast. Joe Ingles is probably one of my five to seven favorite players in the NBA to watch, and I can't explain it. It's because you, you love fun. Yeah, it's just and how and is he so good on defense? Like he's he's just he's too smart. smart. Like his, his anticipation yep. is is through the roof. Like it's like he has an app that like basically just recalls every player's like play style and he You know why you it. like him, Dan? Uh, hit uh me. Grant Hughes told me this like two or three years ago and another Bleacher Report writer and it always stuck with me. He's like a slow-mo version of Manu Ginobili. That would do it because Manu Ginobili's in the top 5 of my players to watch as well. Exactly. It's like watching Manu Ginobili replays all the time in slow motion. Yeah, that's exactly it. (laughs) I made that connection. I think it was Joe's rookie season and the Spurs came to town and there was a screenshot of the both of them. They even look alike a little bit. Excuse Manu's bald spot, but they were both making the same (laughs) face looking in opposite directions. And it was uncanny, so it was a little bit of foreshadowing. But right. I totally get that. Crazy, character. and like the inte- like the way they run pick and rolls, they're slightly funky left-handed release. It's it's pretty they're weird. Kind of up and under scoop shot. Yeah, I need to Google this Google image now to see these pictures where Ginobili and Joe Ingles look alike. <laughs> oh, it's a deep cut. It. I'd have to find it for you. It's on the dark web. You'd have you'd have <laughs> to search Snark Tank, and I think I used the phrase same face. Same face. So, I'm, I'm making a note yeah. of that so I could look at it. Later. Thank you. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> Tips on Twitter searches. 
You guys can um, move on so, from Ingles if you really want to now, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> um, so we mentioned we've mentioned Donovan Mitchell a couple times now. There is a lot of optimism around him, and as a Jazz fan, um, it's almost a little nerve wracking for me. Are we already like a little too excited about this guy, or do you think all the hype is sort of justified at this point? It's funny you say that because I totally feel the same way. I'm like, oh, are we having Trey Burke 2.0 falling in love uh, prematurely syndrome? Are we already renting a hot air balloon? And they're like, hold on, we haven't even gotten to the movies yet. Like, I I, I feel that too. Um, I don't think we've seen anyone have the summer league that Donovan Mitchell had in a long time. Um, That's true. I, Burke was I, dreadful at summer league. I remember that. Yeah, I think he proved pretty early. He had some some red flags. Not that Mitchell doesn't. I think his shot selection needs to improve a lot, um, and he's pretty cognizant of that. I think he's in a unique position where he's a rookie, where a lot of hopes are getting pinned on him. You know, I think that happens to rookies a lot, obviously. But in the in the absence of Gordon, where we can't give our love to his Hippler haircut anymore. We're, we've got to, like, give it to somebody, and now it's going to... I mean, Rudy, obviously, but... Yeah, there's a lot of hope pinned on him, and, and he showed so much potential, and there's this hope that, you know, he he's really going to benefit from the space of the NBA game, and, and I think Jazz fans should temper their expectations. I don't think it's totally fair to hope he comes out and averages something crazy because to be honest you don't want to be led in scoring by a rookie because that usually means your team's not very good unless you're the 97 98 spurs and drafted a guy named tim duncan but i think i think temper your expectations enjoy the good stuff um but you know he's young he's super young do you think the Jazz kind of need him to be good right away, though? And maybe that's why the expectations are so hard, because they need they have some guys who can create shots for others, but like they need that go-to shot creator. And you know, Joe Johnson's a million years old at this point, even though he still gets buckets. You, you have Rodney Hood, who I think everyone probably has earmarked for 20-plus points a game this season. Uh, but unless you're kind of hoping for Dante Exum to kind of become that player, assuming he gets a chance to become that player, or if you're ever planning on cutting Alec Burks loose again, uh, I just, maybe it is could that just be a symptom of it? Is that the Jazz sort of almost need him to be good to above average right away? I think they definitely need him to be a contributor. You can't really put someone out on the floor and be a net negative right now. Um, I think they really need him to be good on defense. And I think that's something he's talked about being passionate about. I mean, just think back to that summer league moment gave me chills where he, he, uh, embarrassed Jason Tatum. Um, that was, that was incredible. Awesome. That was incredible. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Huntsman had their hearts broken from Gordon Hayward and then he gave them this like shining moment of hope and everyone was like, Gordon who? So I think, I think he's the kind of guy who's passionate about defense and I think they're going to need him to defend and I think we've learned that if you don't defend, Quinn's not going to play you. So um, I think that's where his mindset is. Um, but as an aside, in at Media Day, everyone said that who's been the most impressive in OTAs has been Donovan Mitchell. Now, I don't know if that's like a company line they were all kind of told to give, although I, I would be surprised. Um, so I, I think he can contribute. I, I don't know what that looks like. I'm not super familiar with this college game, so I don't know um, what it's going to translate to, but you, you hope he has a decent shot. You hope he distributes and and uh, maybe has some awesome dunks because he's super athletic and incredible to watch. My hope for him, and this is kind of a weird comparison because I think they're vastly different players, but my hope for him in terms of impact is kind of like Justice Winslow's rookie year where – I think he may struggle with shooting percentages and shot selection and just offense generally, but he's so athletic um, and he's so aggressive defensively, which I think is okay on a Rudy Gobert-led defense that he can still have a really strong positive impact on defense. Yeah, I think he's got to show some discipline on both ends of the floor. I think as we've learned with Dante Exum, like Quinn's not going to tolerate a lot of stupid mistakes so I mean and maybe I think last year was interesting season because the, sh- the leash was shorter because you know every win mattered yeah um I think 
that I mean, not that the team doesn't want to win, but it's it's not a keep Gordon or 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 GTFO situation. Um, so I I think the leash will be a little longer than Dante's had. I know that's been um, a, a contention with with Jazz fans, but um, he's definitely not going to have be able to have no conscience out there. Do you know who I kind of saw with the full disclosure that I really didn't start like looking at him until just before the draft? It was like this cross between Gary Harris and, and maybe Norman Powell, like the just the, the middle ground between hmm. those two players, and that would be an interesting guy for them to have on Could their team. It would be interesting. Yeah, I hope he can score like that. That would be great. Yeah. Um, Dan mentioned, and you mentioned as well, Dante Exum, and he's almost – he was the number five pick just a few years ago. He's almost a forgotten man now. Like most of the love this summer has gone to Donovan Mitchell. And both of you know that I've been pounding the Dante Exum drum <laughs> as, as vigorously as anyone over the last few years. So maybe I'm biased here, but he to me was the best player at the Utah jazz summer league. And I'm, I'm really curious to see what he looks like this season. I think that's fair. And he was really good in his time at, at uh, Utah jazz summer league. Um, it was fun watching him and Donovan play together. They seem to mm-hmm. enjoy it and compliment each other. Um, I think his shots got to be more consistent. He said he didn't really fix his shot this offseason. He just is working on consistency. So that's going to be important. He's got to not make as many mistakes on defense. But he is kind of a forgotten man. I mean, he had the weird offseason injury, lost the whole season, and then a season where he didn't have an offseason to build his game up and so he had, was figuring it out mid-season essentially and and so I think jazz fans don't really know what to expect plus there's the shiny new toy so they're a little distracted hey I'll always remember last season from him and I, hopefully one of you remember this game I, I think it was like a thunder game that they the jazz eventually lost but they were down by basically a zillion points, and like the second unit was basically bringing them back, and it wasn't even the second unit. Alec Burks was on it, like it was second strings and third strings, and Joel Bomboy. Yeah, so it was just, and Dante Exum just looked like he was attacking and he was aggressive in that game, uh, and it, it was really good to see. And he had that like random stretch in March where he shot like thirty, almost thirty-seven percent from three it's it's there were just so many flashes with him and i like him because he's long and and he gives you more hope on the offensive end than michael carter williams by like a mile uh i just don't i i I don't like i'm assuming like he's he's gonna get minutes now that's what i'm assuming right like that pack up point guard position is essentially his to lose now i i'm just curious to see uh you know he talks about consistency with his jumper you said and if he can stay in attack mode and he's gonna really defend his his butt off maybe he can turn into this plus player finally I just have a hard time placing him in the NBA and it's it's kind of weird to go from Ricky Rubio who still really can't shoot to Dante Exum who really can't shoot at the point guard position like the Jazz might have one of the probably have the worst shooting one-two punch in the NBA at the point guard spot right now yeah it's not great it's uh, but they're awfully pretty but (laughs) that's a good point I think that Dante game that you referenced against the Thunder is he was really able to play like without any pressure. And when he, he plays to, loose, there's a huge difference. Yeah, and he's got to learn how to play with with stakes. Like absolutely, you can't be in the NBA and not on trash teams and play like like you you've got to just play loose. Um, and I'm sure that's difficult. And and you can also argue the Thunder had let off the the gas because they were up by I don't know it was like 26 or something it was ridiculous um but I think Dante has a lot of the measurables you know you're you're glad it's not a guy you drafted who's undersized Trey Burke uh (laughs) and and that's never gonna change like he is a tall long quick quick guy who's proven he can defend from his rookie season so um you hope he figures it out. I, I think a lot of people were overly concerned about his feelings last season. I think I think you uh, you got to figure it out. You sink or swim in this league, and he's got to figure it out, and probably soon. Um, he's going to have to play some minutes on the wing, too, I think, this season. I remember when uh, Snyder was first hired, there was a lot uh, from him about positionless basketball. I think this year he might have a chance to – to really go for that. Yeah, and I don't think Dante loves it. I think Dante, he said Yeah, he definitely wants season, to be a one. Yeah. He wants to be a one. He's not really happy off the ball. 
Um, but again, if you are playing the true positionless basketball, then and if you want to get minutes, um, but I mean, who's he going to lose out to on the backup point guard? I guess Howell Neto. Um, if, yeah, if but if he's just if all he's doing is backup point guard, that could be like fifteen minutes. Because right. I want Rubio on the floor for thirty plus, right? Yeah, if he can if he can stay healthy. If the man I, bun doesn't come loose, I think it's a good bet. Yeah, he the, he is rocking that man bun for sure. My it's dream a, is like, incredible. But, yeah, he looks. He said like new team, new look, right? Yeah, new, new team, new look. He looks hella swarthy. I think is a good adjective for him right now. But yeah, I'd love to see. I'm just really excited to see Ricky and Rudy. I I don't know. I I think that's gonna be the most fun lob in the NBA this season. That really is. That's an exciting pick and roll combo. The one thing I'm worried about, and I, there's a lot of good evidence for him making big guys better, like Kevin Love and Nikola Pekovic. Um, Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> on those pick and rolls, it's going to be really, seemingly it'll be really easy for the defenses to just pack around Gobert and try to deny that lob. Now that's really hard to do with Gobert because he gets up higher than just about anybody on that play, but I, I'm really hoping that Rubio can keep defenders honest and at least become like average around the rim. Well, and he's he's proved last season. I think uh, our buddy Andy Larson over at KSL.com did some research about this that he's actually pretty above average at, at the mid range game. So mm-hmm. if he can if he can pick and pop, you know, that's like you said, you have to keep defenses honest, and they can't just hound go bear but that's going to be the key if that's going to be a successful pick and roll combination it can't be you know 90 to 10 it's got to be a little more evenly weighted yeah and if it does oh go ahead go ahead dan i was just gonna say if it does become like if he's even a slight threat as the handler in that situation flanking that with rodney hood and joe ingles that's you start to see some semblance of a workable offense there Right, and and the the hope is that it's going to be offense by committee, and really for that to work, you need everyone to be able to hit shots. So that's the question. I think people will get. I think this offense will produce good looks. I don't think that's a question. I think Quinn Snyder's smart enough to know how to get looks out of his guys. It's a it's a little bit of a question mark whether those will go through the hoop, but we'll see. I, I think it helps just Gobert is just so long and overpowering that Rubio turned the ball over a lot in the pick and roll last year. And if I don't think defenses are going to be able to, to trap him or crowd him as much because Gobert is just going to have that longer reach to get the ball wherever Rubio throws it. So you're going to have to throw, you're going to, excuse me, you're going to have to play off him a little bit. So that in theory should open up space if he's going to shoot from the mid range. Like you said, his numbers are good there, or maybe it, it helps him get some cleaner looks at the rim and then the the metric megaton of salt would be he finished over his last 17 games last year ricky rubio shot almost 36 percent from three on three attempts per game i mean if he's gonna if he's gonna he was firing away and it wasn't like oh defenses were respecting his shot they were still playing off him but if, if he just shoots all of a sudden 30 percent from three and the defenses have to even move out a little bit to close out on him that's a big boon in itself for the jazz's offense it's sustainable, and I don't think anything you can say can convince me otherwise. <laughs> but and, and and he's shown he can shoot well at Vivint Smart Home Arena. He like he destroyed the he Jazz killed, at yes. least once last season. So you can blame that on George Hill's mystery pain in his toe. But I, I, you know, it's probably not sustainable to backtrack on my hyperbolic statement. But I I think you're exactly right. If he can show somewhat of a respectable three-point shooter that really is going to complicate things for defenses and part of it well or at least i'm a big believer in just let it fly and that helps anyway and i i just st- i think i stole those words from Giannis Antetokounmpo, who said that about his three-point shot that he's just going to let it fly but it's like almost a market smart theory like his shots aren't going in but he's going to take them anyway and to some extent I, I guess that stretches the floor because if you're a threat to shoot even if it's not going in at a high level, that that helps a little bit and puts a little extra pressure on the defense. But like you said, it, it'd be nice if he could shoot, you know, a half respectable clip from deep. But you're right. Like guys have to take those open shots when they're available in order for offenses to work. If if every time a guy gets a, the ball, he box like that. That's when we see those record scratch moments. And 
Quinn's gotten a little mad dad heated at Rodney Hood in the past for, for not shooting an open three. And I think he has that similar let it fly mentality. He wants guys to shoot it. He's never going to tell a guy like Ricky Rubio, hey, don't shoot the ball, especially because he knows Ricky's going to find the the open man if that's if that's an option. Um, so I think the let it fly philosophy is going to stand um, even for a guy like Ricky. You guys want to hear some more sustainable numbers? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so Angie said that uh, Rubio lit up the Jazz in a game last year. I swear I've had this feeling for like three or four years that every time he plays in Utah, he's like a different player. So right when they traded for him, I decided to look it up. And in eight career games, as an opponent in Utah, Rubio averaged 12.8 points, nine assists, four rebounds, two and a half steals, shot 46% from the field and 41 for, from three. So there's That's just fine. something magical God. about him in Utah. You can even <laughs> just let you can let that number that three point number slide by like six percentage points, and that's fine. Like yeah. you know, it'll come to earth. But maybe he's just into the he altitude. He's going to play the, the forty one home games and shoot rest him up. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. he, he doesn't need that much much oxygen. You know, maybe it cuts off the flow to his brain, and he just shoots better. I like it. What do you, J.R. Smith theory? And he's and what's also good about Rubio too is like he had you know while a guy who can't space the floor like Monte Ellis um, has right now he's flamed out of the league or Ray John Rondo just become this one year mercenary for teams like Rubio still has a lot of value not not only because he's he's a more consistent defender or and if we're comparing him to Monte Ellis he actually tries on defense at all uh, but just the decisions he makes on the offensive end even when he's turning the ball over in the pick and roll like he's just so focused on making the right decision he doesn't necessarily necessarily seem to hold the ball um as long or for too long like we saw from Rajon Rondo at points even during his prime so he's just such a smart player and that's not to call Rajon Rondo an idiot uh but that he's this valuable now where I think you can say he ranks in the top half of his position or the top half among starting point guards without being a a genuine threat from the perimeter is I would say that's a huge deal yeah and and the fact that he stuck on one team for so long goes to show you a little bit like how much value that they think he has. I mean, there's a lot of guys who, like you said, the Monte Ellis, the the Rajon Rondos, who bounce around the league for good reasons because nobody wants them on their team and and they can't figure out anything they're good at. I think we know what Ricky Rubio is good at. He's also hasn't had a ton of consistency. I mean, he's had is this his fifth coach? I think yeah, fifth straight seasons? year with a different coach. Just, which I can't believe is is an easy thing to deal with as a player. And he's he said in media at Media Day, which is maybe my favorite thing to come out of it, that he's already talked to Quinn more than he's talked to any of his other coaches ever. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think I have a lot of high hopes for Quinn Snyder as his coach. I think Ricky's the kind kind of player that Quinn Snyder's gonna love coaching. And um, I don't think he's going to be a completely different guy, but I think um, Quinn might have a few things up his sleeve on how to utilize him. Well, think about how much he changed Joe Ingles' career. Um, I, I think there's evidence to suggest that he can he can find a next level for guys. Yeah, and if and if that's Quinn Snyder's like number one skill as a coach, it's a pretty darn good one to have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another guy that's going to have a lot of responsibility on this team this year, the day, I think it was the day after Gordon Hayward went to Boston, Dennis Lindsay publicly told the media that Rodney Hood was the number one option, um, on the team, a guy who I think for his career averages like 12 points, maybe. Um, do you think he's ready for this massive jump up in, uh, responsibility? Ready or not. (laughs) (laughs) here we here we go i mean i think he's mentally prepared he said at media day that he wants to be the most improved player he's prepared to be the number one option and he really makes the most sense as the number one option i don't think he was totally healthy last season it sounds like a lot of um those things have been resolved maybe it's the some magic Derek favors spray that that he got that's returned him to 100 percent health but yeah, I, I, I think he is ready. I mean, that's not to say he'll do it, but I think he's prepared to not shy away from shots he maybe wouldn't have taken 
last year because, you know, there was a guy like Gordon Hayward on the floor. I'm interested to see what he could do as a number one option. I'm wondering if he becomes kind of a more willing um, passer where where they're meaningful passes. And Zach Lowe wrote about that at ESPN.com the other day. When you know that the ball's going to come back to you or you know that you're guaranteed a certain number of touches, I, I would think it becomes a lot easier to in, to instill like the right ideals and constructs into a player. And, of course, it helps. You know, you mentioned his health. We were going to say, let's say his right knee's healthy, and it's also a contract year for him. So you factor all those things together, and I don't know if he's going to be the guy that props up a top 10 offense uh, that relies largely on half-court sets, but maybe he can be that viable number one. Even if he wouldn't be a number one on most teams, maybe he can give you an efficient you know, 17 to 20 points per game and, and help you get those shots down the stretch of, of tight contests uh, to give you just a, another alternative to, at this point, what would be Joe Johnson. Seems like if you need a bucket and it's a close game and we're talking about mid-November, like the ball's probably going to Joe Johnson. Especially if Jamal Crawford's guarding him. That too. <laughs> um, I, I think Rodney is probably not a 20-point-a-game scorer. I don't think that's what it's going to take to be the highest uh, scorer on the team this year. Could be um, as low as, like, 16. That's really the number that sticks out in my head when I think about Rodney's season, is he's going to be about 16. You know, Rudy will probably be around 12, 14. Derek Favors, who we haven't mentioned at all, you know, yeah. used to be a walking double-double, so... Uh, I, th- I think Rodney has the skills. He's got to be more efficient. As he's not great at getting to the line, and that's something the Jazz are going to need to replace, especially from Gordon Hayward, how many times he was able to get to the free throw line. Um, he's It's a health thing. He's never had super consistency. He's had incredible games. He had that, that game two seasons ago when... Uh, it was Kobe's last visit to Salt Lake City, and he had 30 and a half. I mean, it's in him. I mean, that's that's basically like playing by yourself on the floor, being guarded by <laughs> 40-year-old Kobe. But it, I think it's in him. I, I don't know. I, I, there's big questions about the consistency you, for me. And so I, it was either both of you or just Andy had mentioned about, like, it might take 16 points per game to lead this team in scoring. It immediately made me think of – the 2014-2015 Hawks. And I don't think you can draw too many stylistic corollaries between uh, those two teams, but sort of that that equal opportunity approach, like that helped a team become really good, and the Jazz are not a 60-win squad, particularly in that Western Conference, but maybe that's how the offense works, is that you're you're really just – it's a different person every single night, and you're not getting someone to score 20-plus points a game. You have three uh, piling on 15-plus Per night, and, and maybe it's, it's that type of situation. That's just the immediate thought I had. Nothing really similar stylistically, but just seeing Snyder's how... his last stop was Atlanta, so there there is a connection there before he came to Utah. But they yeah, just I, need to I, find their Kyle Korver, their pinball machine <laughs> shooter. I think Utah has to embrace basketball socialism, basically, which is difficult in a red state. But I think <laughs> I think that's absolutely right. And yeah, like the Hawks. That was a question in media day. It was drawing similarity to the Hawks. And, you know, there's position by position. You can't get much different than, like, Jeff Teague to Ricky Rubio. Those are not similar point guards. Al Horford and, and Rudy Gobert might be the, the opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, but the point stands that, yeah, they're going to need a bunch of guys to score 15 a game in order to have a fighting chance. One more thing on Hood, too. I'm not the first person to cite this number, but I uh, I looked it up while I was writing a Jazz preview the other day. He played 694 minutes without Hayward, and he averaged 21.3 points per 36 minutes and shot 45% from the field in those minutes. He, so there's, he was, again, there's, he was better without Gordon on the floor, for sure. Yeah, and I actually ran up right after Gordon left in my um, salty misery. I ran a little thread of a bunch <laughs> of guys who were like more efficient with Hayward off the floor. Now, a lot of that could be the fact that maybe they were playing second units um but it was a it was a pretty surprising trend i I think it was everybody except for Derek favors had like a pretty sizable jump in true shooting percentage when they were on the floor without hayward it was it was surprising to me yeah so i i guess if your starting lineup is ricky rubio rodney hood joe ingles at the three Mm -hmm. 
Uh, Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert. Yeah, I think that's like the safe money right now. I I think you can get two of those guys to regular. I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because you're going to have to stagger your scoring. I I mean, you need your bench guys to produce because Joe's not going to regularly score double digits. Joe Ingles. I mean. Watch him be the guy who comes out and averages 20. He just Mike Conley's it, like Mason (laughs) did, Mike Mike, Mike Conley did last year. (laughs) He would be insufferable in the locker room, I can't even tell you. He was so cocky when he had the three-point percentage record in the league. (laughs) Well, I would be all for that. Um, Oh, for sure. It's going to be tough to, like, have a consistently – like, I think they could probably finish top 20 – I think top fifteen is going to be tough, offensively. In offense, yeah. yeah. I think I think shooting for average is ambitious. <laughs> um, Which is but basically you, you, you don't. But you like right. But you don't want to be bottom ten. So I think we're yeah. we're basically saying the exact same things <laughs> in different words, so listeners can enjoy hearing, you know, the, the same exactly. exact thing twice in a row. But if but, they do get into that like fifteen to twenty range, and they have like the one or two defense, that's still a really interesting overall team. Should be should be a playoff team. I mean, the West is B A N A N A S this year, but I usually a, a top three defense should get you in the playoffs. Yeah, you would think. And they they might be able to get by. Like they they were, I think, among the top six or seven teams in just pick and roll frequency last year. And maybe that's just that's your crutch, like the Ricky Rubio Rudy Gobert pick and roll which we touched on briefly before but maybe you can build an average offense around it just because Gobert is so devastating coming off those those screens and Ricky Rubio is he's a good ball handler like I said before he can turn the ball over a lot of points in the pick and roll but if that's your go-to play and you have enough shooters around them and, and Hood can be an above average shooter we know Joe Ingles is an above average shooter and maybe you get to a point where you're going to rely uh, more on Joe Johnson at the four if Derek Favors isn't on or you could throw Jonas Jarebko there and, and that's just the extra spacer if you want to go kind of more traditionally sized and perhaps that's something for long stretches at a time where you're playing average to above average offense and that's another thing is just having you list off some of these guys this team has some depth like yeah. it's not it's not top hit. I mean obviously there's Rudy and then everyone else but like it's not a complete trash bench like I looked at the Hawks roster the other day and and started okay? laughing <laughs> I, I mean, they stopped bleeding recently after I visited my optometrist, but it it it's not a horrible bench. I mean, you know, Ekpe Udo is interesting coming back into the league. Um, Davo Sevalosha is a, a serviceable defender, 3 and D guy. Um, Donovan Mitchell, Dante Exum, Alec Burks, Jonas Drepko. Like, it's, it's actual basketball players, in my opinion. I mean, Alec Burks. I might uh, even lean deeper into it than you did. I would say that this is a a hell of good bench. Like they are deep. Like yeah. I, I don't know what the, the center position behind Gobert's a little wonky, but you don't need it to be anything more than a little wonky because you you have him and you could throw Jonas Jarebko or Derek Favors at 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 center too. So yeah. it's just they stretch at least too deep at every like two NBA players deep at every position, and that's not something I would say maybe half the league can say that if that. Right. It's definitely. Um... Dennis Lindsay special um and he's he's done a pretty decent job of roster building in my opinion in in the wake of the fire and flames that that was left in the in Salt Lake City but I uh yeah I I think there's real depth on this team hopefully they won't have to rely on it for injury reasons but yeah I think I I have a feeling Quinn's gonna love Jerebko as a stretch four like that just that just screams Quinn to me. Is that we're gonna get last year it was Shelvin Mack. I feel like this year we're gonna get complaints about Jonas Drebko. But I'm into <laughs> it because he's Swedish and I like the n- nickname Swedish Swish. Well, is that oh, actually his nickname? That. And why have I not heard it before? <laughs> I I don't know if it is, but I heard, I saw it on the it timeline the other day. <laughs> yeah, that, that's official. It kind of sounds like you're having a stroke, but I'm into it. Well, it's not on Basketball Reference, so that should be the campaign. What are his, what's his what's his he nickname? Doesn't on have one. He doesn't have there. one, which is awful. Oh, did me, did you look it up too, Dan? Yeah, uh, I, I mean, and let's take this with maybe he does have one because Basketball Reference, as we found out during our Celtics preview, is unreliable. I got really excited about the pronunciation of 
semi ogleized name or whatever. I still like, trust it. I think it's Shimmy. Shimmy Ojelly was how they told you to pronounce it. I was totally <laughs> into that. Well, I Dan, think basketball okay, reference is Joe Johnson is the Armadillo Cowboy as one of his nicknames, which I'd never heard. Yeah, there's some that I've never heard before. I don't know what would possess you to call anyone the Armadillo Cowboy. <laughs> Especially yeah, when it's Joe Jesus for crying out loud, and that's not even that on one there. Is not on his. There's, yeah, it's ISO Joe what? and Joe Cool and Big Shot Joe and then Armadillo Cowboy. <laughs> Big Shot Joe is another one I've never heard before. I've heard I don't it, understand. I think it's bad. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's really bad. But Swedish Swish, I'm. How into. can you say I mean, that more that. than once? Like Swedish Swish, I can't say it once. You Swedish can't. Swish. <laughs> well, you're drunk, so that's not I a wish. Good <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's. I I don't know. I I I'll be interested to see how Quinn uses him because I he's he loves the idea of stretch force. So we'll see. The minutes in the front court are really interesting to me. Um, Dan talked about backup center, and my my crazy idea is well, and it's not that crazy because Quinn Snyder did it for a big chunk of last year. If Derek Favors plays all of the backup five minutes, then he's not playing a ton at the four, and then. I think that's when lineups can get really interesting when you play Joe Johnson at the four. And I've even like, I've tried to work out Utah's lineup because they're so deep. It's kind of hard to figure out who's going to play and where and how many minutes. Um, there's a way they could play it where, and this is going <laughs> to, this is going to sound weird right after we talked about Jonas Jarebko, but I think there's a rotation out there that's just favors and Gobert are the only two like traditional bigs who play. Could be, and if we're going traditional, uh, we're going against positions in basketball. You don't really need to have a traditional center, I guess. But I, I don't, I don't know who gets those backup five minutes. It sounded on media day like Favors would rather not play so much five. I think that yeah. was hard on him, and and obviously if if he's got any of his mobility, he's probably a little more valuable at the four. But I don't know. Do you slide? Udo in there? Do you give Tony Bradley minutes? I think he's probably a little green for that, but yeah, it's it's you could have a lot of wonky lineups at, at, at in the front court, especially when Gobert's not on the floor. Playing Uday and Bradley would go a long way towards building up Rudy Gobert's MVP case when we That's see good how, how good the Jazz are not without him on the floor. <laughs> yeah, and I think he's going to play a lot of minutes every yeah. game. I don't think he's going to want to be off the floor. You're going to want to have him not on the floor. We haven't this. So this is a good segue. He's really the only guy that we haven't touched on. And he's diving into the Rudy Gobert <laughs> rabbit hole. Obviously um, the best player on this team. I think he was the best player last season too. Maybe that gets into a debate of what the difference between best and most impactful is. But um and to me, he's also the best defender in the league. And I know a lot of people disagree with me on that. But this guy um, is a true superstar. And it's one of the reasons I'm not as worried as, as some other people are that this team's just going to kind of fall off a cliff. I just don't. I think the difference between tanking and not tanking is Rudy Gobert, right? Like, yeah. you just can't be horrendous with a guy like that on your team. And maybe I'll get proven wrong. Maybe this team is. Is I, I I don't think they're going to be trash because there's Quinn Snyder and there's Rudy Gobert and I think these guys will find a way. But Rudy is so good. Like I know we devalue his skill set a little bit. I, I guess in some of the in vogue, you know, it's pace and space era and 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 going small. And I love that style of basketball too. And there's a reason why it works. But, like, if you're going to be the dunker shot blocker, you do it like Rudy Gobert does it. And and I think he's so good for that reason. He In uh, terms of his skill set, sorry, Dan. No, don't apologize. Um, people do. I mean, they talk about he needs to add a post-up game or a jump hook or a 10-foot jumper. And I, I, hear, I hear that over and over and over, and I just had the thought, Dwight Howard was considered, like, the second or third best player in the league for a couple of years. So I compared Rudy to, to a couple of those prime Dwight years. And with the exception of just volume, like like Dwight was getting more shots, um, Rudy tops him in basically every statistical category. Yeah. He, that's, he is a that's, dominant player. He's really dominant. And, and I think that's the other part of it is that 
his game isn't that varied. You know, he he's dunking and he's making plays around the rim. And for a lot of old school guys, that's not good enough. But like the post up is trash. Like you don't <laughs> ever possession. like. Oh, yeah. I really want to watch Rudy Gobert post up. Or would you rather watch him? You know, catch lobs and ha- be a way more efficient. Like, and I don't think that I don't think they're trying to give Rudy a post-up game. I, I get the case for having a little hook shot or a little floater in the lane, but like he's doing what he needs to be doing. He's dominant around the rim. He hits his enough free throws that he's not DeAndre Jordan. And, you know, like the other pieces stay healthy and he's so fun. I mean, like I, I think Dan Clayton has a mix of all his, passes from last season which we jazz fans lovingly called Notre Dimes and (laughs) they're just he's like behind the back between the legs he's just he's got that Joe Ingles fun factor and and he has a chip on his shoulder which I think for some guys is really obnoxious and really performative but for him I really do think he wants to shirk all of the European big man stereotypes and really wants to be great it has to help too. Like just looking at his defensive game, like he's he's so much more than just like the rim protector. Like he can switch. He averaged uh, more defensive possessions against spot up shooters than Gordon Hayward per game last year. Like he's just he's all over the place. And and you watch, you know, what separates him from some of these other more traditional bigs is that he is all over the place on the defensive end. And so he doesn't. I don't, I wouldn't say you, he needs to step out and do anything. On the offensive end, I wasn't. I guess I think Tim McMahon at ESPN.com published a piece uh, in the middle of last season where it said that like Gobert has been kind of interested in expanding his offensive role, and Quinn Snyder kind of like throws him a play that'll draw up like a floater or baby jumper in the lane for him every once in a while or a post up, but that they don't envision uh, expanding his role. And I don't think if he's going to play and try his ass off on defense like he does and go all over the place and be more than just that rim protector. I don't see why you would mess with his formula on offense at all. I just think if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think yeah. trying to adapt to a less efficient style of play doesn't make any sense. You're going to give him, I guess if he has more possessions and it makes sense that some of them are going to be less efficient, but like it, it just doesn't make sense. And I think he likes to goof around about, you know, stretching the floor and he'll take three point shots, but I think he ultimately is smart enough to know that that's not going to be his game. And I think Quinn is smart enough to know that he's not going to build an offense around your seven-footer picking and popping. So I I, I agree with you. I don't think they're going to try to expand his offensive game in, in any kind of radical way. And I think that's for the better. Yeah, and like we've all said now, I, even if he just continues to do what he does. I, I really think he's one of the most dominant players in the league. Do um, you both have him as, or do either of you have him as the best center in the league? I do. I, I, I was kind of upset he didn't win first team all NBA. But I'm, remind, like I said remind earlier, me who was first homer. team all NBA. It was Anthony Davis. Oh, yeah. That was Which, debatable. I mean, he's Which, a great player, but here, here was my two things. Um,. I don't think it was debatable that Rudy Gobert had a more positive impact on a better team last season. And Anthony Davis isn't even a center. And and center is it's not a thing in the Ulster teams anymore. It's still a designation on all NBA. So I was a little put off by that. I just enjoy that like Alex Lynn or Rudy Gobert used to be a conversation. So <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, we've come a long way. Or even, yeah. Andy, do you remember when we had, what was it, Hassan Whiteside and Rudy Gobert became a conversation at one hey, point? Hey, don't, don't say that around Miami that. Twitter. They will lose yeah. their minds. Hassan Whiteside's good. Still... He's just, he's not in the same stratosphere as Rudy Gobert. I mean, maybe his Snapchat's better, but that's about the only thing. You should approach some Miami fans with that, Dan, just to see. Didn't we happens. needle Wes Goldberg about? No, we didn't. Not about this topic. We should have. We should have, yeah. Nerlens um, fans were also... Really? Uh, I did oh, not man, see that. I haven't heard oh, that yeah. one. <laughs> Nerlens versus Rudy was a big deal. I mean, yeah, really, I, even if you... Go ahead, Dan. Like, if your name... If we were just to say, like, try and name big men who could be in the argument as better than Rudy Gobert, it, 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 like, you can't come up with five. Like, there's just not five. There's I, I would, think the only, I would like, think true Towns, center 
Well, ahead. yeah, Towns is Towns, he, he will be Gasol. in there. I think I think Cousins, even with his attitude problems, is in there. I would probably just put Jokic, Cousins, and Towns. I don't even know. If I, I, think, would, I love Marcus All, but like Rudy Gobert is just so dominant now. I think I would have Jokic in there too. I think Jokic is offensively what Gobert is like. They're kind of mirror images of each other. Ooh. We just need to mash them into one person and have a basketball <laughs> yeah. savant. Yeah, I don't know if that everyone's would, ready for that. That would be. Yeah, that's a good. Not, I didn't even think about that. They're like the mirror images. I like that. That would be like. Uh, Although fully I would healthy argue, prime Bill Walton. I would argue that Rudy is more serviceable on offense than Jokic is on defense. Yes, I think I would agree there. Even with, and I'm one of the people that think Jokic's defense isn't as bad as advertised. I, yeah. I think you look at what Rudy Gobert can just do in the pick and roll in what is a pick and roll league, then absolutely. Winshares had like it's been beaten to death over the last few years, but I think Rudy was like 11th in the league in offensive winshares last year. I mean, the dunker efficiency is a thing. I mean, yeah, we undervalue absolutely. it, and it's not. I mean, I think it's fun to watch, but... A lot of people you know. have made this point, but it's like, if everyone could get a dunk on all their shot attempts, they would. Right. It's just that there's maybe three or four guys in the league who are legitimately capable of that. If you could putt from a foot away or ten feet away, yeah. and it would meant the same, you would putt from a foot away. Like, That's it's, a great analogy, it's, too. It's, it's absolutely true. He <laughs> <laughs> um, would putt from... 17 feet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so with apologies to anyone on this roster that got no more than a mention, I think we've we've pretty much been top Sorry, to bottom. Sorry, Royce O'Neal. Yeah. No time for you. That's one I Griffin. wasn't even thinking about. You, you probably know all the like two-way and like non-guaranteed guys better than either of us do. Uh, I could <laughs> point them out in Salt Lake City and say that's a basketball player. There you go. Um, what do you think is the ceiling for this team wins and losses wise and uh seed in the west ceiling oh my gosh and we're gonna do floor too just to as a warning i'm i'm a noted pessimist so i (laughs) i would say 45 wins that is pessimistic at least for me we'll see what dan (laughs) said as a ceiling yeah i think i'd call it pessimistic like I think I, is is the, is there even a conversation about the Jazz being bad this year? Like is that a thing that I don't I haven't seen too much of it. I've seen people see the, seen say they're going to be the eleventh seed. Ten. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if like Rudy Gobert that like, goes on dies. a vacation. Yeah, dies. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to go. I mean, we thought we thought somebody he knock died. on all the wood. We thought he died in the in game one of the Clippers series, right? Like oh, that was terrifying. Yeah. I I think everyone was watching that game the first minute and went and threw up and we're like, well, it was a nice run. And then miracles happened. So maybe he's used one of his nine lives, but crossing. Where do you have them, Dan, in um, terms of ceiling? I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that too, by the way. I can see them getting to 48. And there's not an – like if Donovan Mitchell and Rodney Hood hit as these just high-end shot creators um, and maybe the second unit plays a lot faster – um, than the starting lineup, I wouldn't put forty nine fifty outside that realm of possibility. But I think forty eight is a fair and reachable ceiling for this squad, just given its depth and and like you two have beat to death. Just having Rudy Gobert and Ricky Rubio and Joe Ingles, and then just working back from off of those three, who are all just very malleable for what the Jazz need. Uh, I would think that they could definitely get if everyone stays healthy uh, above forty five victories. And seating is so hard to figure out too, right? Because like yeah. the middle in the West is so weird to me. Like there's obvious upper echelon teams and then there's this this thick, juicy middle. But I don't know, like I don't know what Denver's gonna look like. I think there's there's odds that like Denver, Houston, Clippers like I mean, OKC is gonna be good, but like the Portland, it's just a lot of question marks. I think there's a clear top four, and I think that's Golden State, San Antonio, the Thunder, and the Rockets. I'm pretty set on Minnesota at five, and then that's where I think you're 
juicy middle as you described it. It's like it's like <laughs> our six winter, to eleven. Our winter weight is is right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't get Actually, into the I, Minnesota Timberwolves for some reason. Like I, I think they could be good. I just I there to me there's a a more than feasible scenario in which the Jazz are better than them or or the Nuggets or or the Clippers. Is is it wrong that like for chaos's sake, I kind of hope that the Timberwolves are trash or not trash, but like. It would be kind of funny because there's a everybody is convinced, and and like I said, I am. So it would be kind of funny if if that just kind of blew up. They've got such a lovely streak going about not making the playoffs. Why would you want to ruin that? And not living up to expectations too. Well, when Derrick Rose gets bought out midseason by Cleveland and signs in Minnesota, that's (laughs) that's when it all happened. (laughs) Tibbs starts putting the team back together, and we'll know that things have gone awry. Somebody get Ronnie Brewer out here. No, I think they're probably going to be there. But, like, again, they haven't proven they can do it. Like, I guess Jimmy Butler's proven he can put a team on his back in the East. That's exactly what it is for me is Butler. But, But yeah, there's a huge difference between the East and the West. And I'm going to say for ceiling for me, and I'm going to say it quickly and then throw it to uh, floors for both of you so you can't say anything, but I'm going to say 50. (laughs) So, Angie, what's your floor for the Jazz? I'd say like thirty-eight. Dan, you are pessimistic. <laughs> Listen, I've I've lived this before. I just don't want to get hurt again. Yeah, no, I, I guess they could have. I, I I don't know. I I would put their floor at forty, and I know we're talking about a difference of like, and maybe even forty-one. I know we're talking about a difference of two or three victories, but similar to how I kind of look at a, a team like the Celtics, who. Like, has more star power, but you look at them and they have so much talent, there's only so far they can fall, even with all the changes they've undergone, and I see that in Utah's depth. I'm not talking about star power there, but if Rudy Gobert's you know, going to be Rudy Gobert, there's only so far that this team can fall, and I, I would be honestly surprised if, if they fell below that 40-win threshold, and if they did, I would think it's because maybe there was some mid-season shake-up because the beginning of the year didn't get off to how they had hoped. I'm going to say 42, and I know that's a pretty big range between 40 and 50, but I can envision an offense that's just painful to watch. Like, all these guys don't take the jump that maybe they're expected to. Nobody besides Joe Ingles can hit a three, and Rodney Hitt will be, like, around league average from three. I, I could see it being a real slog offensively. But, like I said, I'm, I am at the same time optimistic about what this defense might be able to accomplish. Are you predicting 42 or 40 also? 40 also. That got me too, so thank you for clarifying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, unless either of you guys have uh, anything else you want to add, I think that's a a pretty good summation of the upcoming jazz season. So thank you so much for joining us, Angie. Shout out to Howell Neto, who I didn't get to mention as much as I would like. What's the deal with his eyelashes? I need to know about this. It's just a big international pretty off between him and Ricky right now, and I'm just not quite sure who's winning. Even with like Ricky, and I think I said this on Twitter, he's trying to be like Hans Guber and Ben Affleck from Argo at the same time. I don't like how does he? Ooh, don't ruin it! Don't ruin it! Don't ruin it for me. <laughs> I, mean, my, I just heard him speak Spanish on Monday, and so I was very like that. My that wife, Barcelona uh, accent. My wife said he looks like Andrew Garfield in Silence, which I kind of see. Yeah, I don't know. I can't visceral, <laughs> you guys. I can't explain yeah. it. <laughs> um, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Are you okay? Or do, do you need a minute? <laughs> well, you Are got you me fanning yourself? I can hear yeah. you fanning yourself. What's How the... will that really get me going? <laughs> what were you going to say, Dan? It, at Ricky Rubin, you know, he looks like he's getting ready to film the sequel to The Revenant or something. Like, that's what he looks like. Yeah. He's like I a frontiersman. Say... I would be there. That would be the, the perfect. That'd be the perfect way to put it. A frontiersman. <laughs> okay, if you guys want to contact um, Angie on Twitter or, or find her work online, where where can they do that, Angie? Uh, I'm very obnoxious on Twitter at snark tank snark underscore tank, um, or you can follow me at twelve eighty thezone dot com. I usually write up recaps after every game. And that's where you can harass me. One of the best Twitter handles in the game and one of the best Twitter cover photos. And it's Um, never going to (laughs) change. That's brilliant. Dan, you can also follow Dan if you want to talk to him about Monte Ellis on Twitter, which I know he is dying to do. (laughs) 
You can find him at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knots. As always, we would love for you guys to subscribe, leave ratings, talk to your friends about it, because we know that you're just dying to share it with them. Um, and until next time, we leave you with the obligatory shout-out, which actually has a connection to the jazz, uh, the shout-out to Bino Udri. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late, and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done.